We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Who that family? Check out the Pro Shop. That's right, the Pro Shop is the platform store where you can go and buy all the latest merch to support the platform. Available at the Pro Shops, we have dozens of hundreds of products available for you and your family. Unisex tees for men and women, hoodies and sweatshirts, tank tops, kids and baby items, long sleeve tees, mugs, pillows, wall art, bath bedding, face masks, phone cases, stickers, bags, fanny packs, socks, hats, and many other items please feel free to check out the pro shops the link is in the description section below and remember it helps the platform continue to grow so check out the pro shop and who that too I'm Big Q chiming on with this edition of Pelican Post Game Report entitled Pelicans 2020-21 schedule has been released and other news and notes as well. And I'm going to bring in my co-host on tonight's stream. DC, how you doing tonight? Excited, man. Looking at the Pelican schedule. Can't wait to get it all tipped off and started, bro. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something to be excited about, my friend. I mean, we're seeing a lot of stuff going on in the world right now with the Pelicans. As they've got skinny Zion, yeah, I did see pictures of skinnier Zion, and of course, we talked about uh, a lot of people thinking he might be a little too skinny, so he won't. Oh be. my god, bro, this man! <laughs> so the man was too big, then he lost weight. Now he's too skinny. I'll, I'll, man, just, there ain't no pleasing people, bro. They 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 con- contrarians, ain't that? That's the word. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing too. Uh, you know, we know Zion was working on shedding some weight. Uh, but we also uh, need to see pictures of of, of Jackson Hayes to see how, <laughs> what he looks like. But it's good to see some of those pictures. Did he catch the way Zion lost? 
No, it, it usually doesn't work yeah. like that. But it's good to see, uh, you know, pictures of Zion in, in camp. And, you know, I see Eric Bledsoe uh, looking like little LeBron shooting the ball. Uh, you also see Steve, <laughs> seen, uh, Steven Adams running around there making plays. So it's good to see all the guys together. I even see Jackson Hayes, pictures of uh, Jackson Hayes lifting weights. That's right. Jackson Hayes is lifting what? weights. You go to the Pel- – and, and this is the thing. You go to the uh, Pelicans website and you go to the photo gallery. You can he see – He ain't dropped none of them, IQ. No, it doesn't look like he dropped anything. You see, we, see a okay. ha- we see a happy Brandon Ingram. He's in there working on things as well, his, his feet work. We see uh, Kira Lewis – uh, dribbling and getting to the basket. See Zoe working on double dribbling, both his hands on the ball. You see all the Pelicans there, man. You see Winyan Gabriel, a super hustler in the building, uh, Josh Hart doing his thing as well. It's a bunch of them, man, so it's good to see a lot of the guys out there doing their thing, man, and uh, getting ready for the upcoming season. So a lot of pictures. If y'all want to see all the Pelicans, you can feel free to go to thepelicans.com. And y'all see J- uh, uh, J.J. Reddit with his porn stash uh, mustache. So, I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> a lot yeah, he said stuff. his wife allowed him to get a mustache. He can't normally have a mustache. So, he's not living with his wife. So, he got his mustache right now, bro. <laughs> Filthy mustache. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what they call it. All right. Big ups. <laughs> that's what Captain Hindsight said. Big ups to Captain Hindsight. Brian, big ups to your CDs. Uh, Young City Boy, Night what's Boy. Up, Teal, what's up, Teal? And DJ, all the family members chiming in early on this episode of the Pelican Post Game Report. So happy Friday to y'all. <laughs> happy late Friday, about to turn into Saturday. So big ups to the family members. And, of course, we're going to get into uh, the bit of information. DC, we're going to start it off uh, with uh, the USA Today article. How did I end up with this? Pelicans, JJ Reddit, get sarcastic oh, about reunion with Coach Stan Van Gundy. We have that we're going to talk about. Also, the New Orleans Pelicans lineup locks fringe and potential break-ins. This is article from Pelican Debrief. We'll go over that. Also, we'll go over the schedule as New Orleans Pelicans announced the first half of their schedule. We'll go over that as well. And, of course, uh, J.J. Reddit, Josh Hart, preparing for Stan Van Gundy's first training camp. We'll cover those articles in a day, plus questions and comments from the family members as well in the chat before we get out of here. So big ups to the rest of the family members as we get ready uh, to ch- uh, start with the show. So much love and please hit the like button. All right, DC, we're gonna, uh, I guess we can fire up with the 2021 schedule. We're going to start with it first. Pelicans released the first half of it. Pelicans appear to have national television uh, as far as appear on national television 19 times, DC. That's uh, uh, they're, they're expecting big things from the young Pelicans, man. Uh, starting off the first half of the season, 12-23, you're looking at the Toronto squad as the Pelicans. Man, we playing Toronto again to open the season, man. It's crazy. 12-23, then, uh, of course, Christmas, a couple of days later, is the Heat. Uh, the 27th of December is San Antonio. And then, of course, then there's Phoenix in Oklahoma City. And then they start in January of 2021, Toronto, Indiana, Oklahoma City, and Charlotte. Uh, as well as Dallas, Los Angeles uh, Clippers, and Lakers on the 15th of January. 17th, Sacramento, back-to-back outings against Utah on the 19th and the 21st. Then, of course, you have Minnesota, then San Antonio, Washington, Milwaukee, and then Houston that closes out the month of January. Then February opens up the month with Sacramento, followed by Phoenix, Indiana, Memphis, Houston, Chicago, Dallas, Memphis again. Portland, Phoenix, Boston, Detroit, and Milwaukee, San Antonio completes the February. And then March 
And then you get Utah, Chicago, and Miami. And that's pretty much the first half of the season as it started. 19, uh, you know, television, live television matchups, DC. Pelicans will be featured on national television 19 times during the first half of the season, starting with the Christmas Day game in Miami. In addition to the Christmas Day game, uh, ESPN is scheduled to broadcast New Orleans matchups versus Charlotte, the Clippers, the Lakers, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and at Dallas. And the TNT is scheduled six Pelicans games beginning December the 29th at, uh, at Phoenix, followed by a contest at Utah, Houston, Memphis, Milwaukee, Miami, and then NBA TV picks it up and airs five Pelicans games with matchups against Toronto on January the 2nd, followed by games at Dallas, Utah, the San Antonio, and Utah again on March the 1st. ABC gets into it with one Pelican game when the team hosts the Boston Celtics in a Sunday matinee on February the 21st. Now, eight of the New Orleans' 20 home games during the first half of the season fall on either a Friday, which are three of them, a Saturday, which is three, or Sunday or two. All home games are scheduled to tip off at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, with the exception of two nationally televised games at 8.30 p.m. as a part of the national double hitter, February the 3rd versus Phoenix and March the 4th versus Miami. Three contests at 6 p.m., which is December the 27th, San Antonio, Houston, and Memphis, and four contests uh, at 6.30, which is Toronto, Charlotte, Milwaukee, and Houston, one Sunday matinee game at 2.30 versus Boston on February 21st. The Pelicans' longest homestand is six home games between January the 25th and February the 3rd when New Orleans will play host to San Antonio, Washington, Milwaukee, Houston, Sacramento, and Phoenix, while the team's longest road trip is a seven-game move which is, uh, you know, seven, it's a seven-game situation. And they got a 12-day excursion from January the 11th to the 23rd with stops in Dallas, Los Angeles to, fo- to face both the Clippers and Lakers, Sacramento, and two games in Utah and Minnesota. Now, the Pelicans will also face Western Conference opponents three times with Pacific Division opponents coming to New Orleans twice, Northwest Division opponents coming to New Orleans once, and for the Southwest Division opponents, the Pelicans will play Dallas Memphis twice on a row and once at home and will host Houston and San Antonio twice at Smoothie King Center while visiting the Rockets and Spurs once. All Eastern Conference opponents will be played twice in traditional setting at once at home and once on the road. Now, second half of the 2021 regular season will be released at a later date, but that's enough to chew on for right now. DC, what do you think about the Pels? First half of the season, the 2021 season is interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting, man. But I'm I'm glad I got 19 games figured out that I know how I'm gonna be able to watch them. I gotta figure out the rest of these 52. So, uh, very very interesting. Well, 53, miscounting. But uh, I'm I'm wondering why we keep opening the season against Toronto. I thought that was a little crazy. But uh, man, they 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 got some tough runs in the queue. We got Dallas, the Clippers, and the Lakers through <laughs> back to back to back. That's that's wild, man. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, we're going to get a real handle on what we got, looks like, in these beginning games, bro, because we play some tough teams. That stretch that I just told you about is, like, within the first 12 games of the season. So we're going to obviously play Toronto, and, you know, they ain't no slouch. And then we play Miami. Then you go into San Antonio. Then you go into Phoenix. So four games right off the bat against – Playoff-level teams, I mean, minus San Antonio, but I still consider them a playoff-level team, even though they didn't make it last year. But uh, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, some stiff competition, man. 
So these are going to be very exciting games, and hopefully we can see our young our young squads, man, uh, them Pelicans, baby birds, as uh, old boy used to call them, see if they didn't grow some bigger wings, man. They're going to have to fly up a little high to contend with this schedule I'm looking at. Yes, yeah, this is going to be a tough schedule to start off, but it, so many different questions pertaining to how it would all look. You know, with Stan Van Gundy's system, we know Stan Van Gundy will find, you know, and will institute the correct system that'll fit. And of course, there'll be some, uh, some, you know, some growth spurts, uh, growth pain, growing pains uh, as the Pelicans to find out what's the best way to, to kind of move these guys around uh, Zion Williamson and B.I. because that's the center portion of it. And of course, having a young player like, uh, you know, like Kara Lewis, Junior, his speed and versatility, Josh Hart and all these other guys, uh, how did they all fit in the match? Only time will tell. But let's get into let's get into uh, the article now dealing with JJ Reddick. How did I end up with this Pelicans? JJ Reddick gets sarcastic <laughs> about reunion with Stan the Man Van Gundy. Now, New Orleans Pelicans veteran guard uh, JJ Reddick showed off his sarcasm skills on Friday as he discussed his reunion with Stan Van Gundy. Reddick entering his fifth NBA season played for Van Gundy on the Orlando Magic for five seasons early in his career. The coach, known for his fiery style and grueling drills was hired by the Pelicans to replace Gentry and asked by reporters what type of defensive team the young Pelicans team can expect to be. The season Reddick replied, quote, I think we'll be one of the better defensive teams in the league for the simple fact that we'll have great discipline. We'll have a great, we'll have great rules. We'll drill the blank out of everything. Reddick then turned more sarcastic. So, and he says, you could tell I'm super excited about it. You know, can't wait for training camp, you know, like, seriously, how did I end up with this blanking in year 15? I got a blank, do this blank all over again with Stan. Oh, man. Los Angeles Lakers forward LeBron James found Reddick's comments funny, retweeting the interview and writing, I heard about this. I heard about his training camps. So, you know, that's uh, a little information right there about J.J. Reddick. The, the old vet have to work it, work it hard like a rookie. And Stan Van Gundy's uh, caps, but that's how you get better on defense, man. You got to run hard the <laughs> drills. And JJ Reddit, once again, his sarcasm uh, well, sticks he, out. You need to be running, then, don't he? I'm, I'm telling <laughs> that's you, that's how not, you get better on defense. <laughs> he is. De- he's definitely defensively challenged. But DC, uh, the sarcasm of JJ Reddit <laughs> sticks out once again, doesn't it? Oh, it really does, bro. I mean, I, I know he pretty much runs a, a marathon uh running around all them goddamn uh screens and to get his shots off so i, I know he probably running forever in practice but he's gonna be running some more in these damn drills but uh the sarcasm does stick out and it is a joke obviously but i think it's a lot of truth behind it and it shows its way through with uh lebron tweeting and thinking it's funny talking about he heard about the training camps and the king of tampering there and uh JJ earlier on a podcast, I believe he said that uh, if he they asked him if he could play with any player current or, or retired, and who would it be? Well, I don't think y'all have to wonder long to figure out who he said because he was at the bottom of the article and he tweeted about JJ's compliment comments. So I think it's uh some dots to be connected there, but obviously JJ is not about to get traded right now but i think before the end of the season jj pretty much out of here i don't know how we feel about sending him to the lakers but that's obviously looks like where he wants to go and by lebron's retweeting and all of his uh laughing emojis i'm sure he'd be happy to have jj too so 
Uh, this is all a joke. And J.J. knows Stan Van Gundy. J.J. was obviously the guy that recommended the Pelicans get Stan Van Gundy, if you listen to what David Griffin was saying. And uh, I, I I do see it as a joke, but I also think some of it is a little serious, too. Hey, I don't think it's that damn funny. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next article, man. J- I'm just I'm just used to JJ Reddit now, man. That's that's what that's he who does. He is, yeah, man. that's what he does, man. All right, new, uh, next article: The Pelicans starting lineup locks fringes and potential break-ins. Uh, let's look at this one uh, here about the written by Aaron Keller Strauss over there at uh, Pelican Brief. Big ups to them guys. There'll be some new faces Pelican in New Orleans. Brief, huh? Yep, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans had a whirlwind offseason firing their head coach, trading the face of the franchise as well as three of the their four. Uh, as well as three of their four draft picks. While Holiday and Favors no longer on the roster, the Pels will be moving on from the most successful starting five in the NBA last season. At least 40% of the starters will be new, and the Pels now have a member in a number of interested options to explore when it comes to lineup combinations. Some of the starting five is a lock, while other players will be fringe starters who uh, who are matchup de- uh, dependent. There are even a few bench players who might break into the starting five at some point in the season. The Pelicans, which are which players are locks for the starting lineup? Well, let's look at that. The locks, there are really only three players who are absolutely 100% locks to start every game for the Pelicans. Of course, we know Zion Williams is the centerpiece of the team. And the one who the offense will work through, it's a no-brainer. He's going to get to, to start every game. Then, of course, is Brandon Ingram, who will handle the ball a lot more than he did last season. The Pelicans didn't. Don't really have a backup for him, so Ingram is going to start every game. And, of course, Steven Adams was bought over in a trade, then given an extension to uh, be anything other than uh, to be, uh, you know, bearing over to be the starting center. He may end up only playing 25 minutes a night, but he will start. Obviously, Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe are the most likely to round out the starting five most of the time, but I could – but. Though I could see a scenario, one of uh, them comes off the bench if the starting unit doesn't gel right away. Bledsoe would be the most likely to be pushed to the bench, so the Pels are sure to have a playmaker on the floor at all times. There are a few but a few bench players who will work better as starters in the short run, and let's explore who they could be. Now, those fringe players they spoke about the fringe starters usually get into the first uh, the first five because of injuries. So let's hope that is not the case. Last season, Nico Lomelli was forced to the starting duties because of injury, and it didn't work out particularly well for the Pelicans. If Melly has to play big minutes against this uh, this season, we would know something went pretty bad. But there might be also some matchups where Van Gundy wants to move things around, or it might just be the case that one of the fringe players outplays a starter and earns that spot. Now, first, J.J. Red is a guy who could very well be in the starting lineup to start the season for one. Van Gundy knows and trusts Reddick more than anyone else on the team. He's a veteran leader, and he's a guy has was coached in the past. Also, the starting five could use an injection of shooting. There aren't any poor shooters other than Adams, but no lights-out shooters either. Josh Hartz is a guy as well who could get some run with the starters, especially if SVG feels more comfortable with Bledsoe as a focal point off the bench unit. Hardest versatile player who can fit in with most lineups. If the Pelicans want to shake things up, he can move into the starting role, possibly sending Bledsoe or even Lonzo to the bench. Now, we think about that a lot, you know, because of Josh Hart's versatility to play the two out of three. He really helps out. 
These are the break-in candidates. Every season, there are a few young guys who break into the starting lineup uh, later in the season after arriving ahead of schedule. It's hard for rookies and young guys to contribute right away, but there are some possibilities for the Pelicans. Kira Lewis Jr. is one of those guys, as good as advertised, then it's possible that he would get some run with the starting five at some point in the season. He has another playmaker and scorer who will allow them to have veteran Bledsoe run the second unit. Now, Lewis Jr. may not be ready for primary ball handling duties just yet, but by the, by midway through the season, he may have shown enough to make the leap into the starting five. It is even more likely if the Pelicans were able to trade Bledsoe at some point before the trade deadline. Another player who's poised to make a leap is uh, NAW. Van Gundy is going to love his size and versatility, so if NAW improves on the defensive end and cut down his turnovers, he can also play off the ball as a starting two guard. Now, these are there, these are two are unlikely to break into the starting lineup, but if they have progressed, you never know. It will be a good thing, actually, as the bench unit will then be a more established and productive unit to enforce what we got going on with the, some of the youngsters. Now, the Pelicans may have dozens of different starting lineups this year. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. You see some new faces and starting before it's all said and done. So, DC, coming back to you, you heard some of those player uh, uh, combinations. I like the I like the idea of Josh Hart in the starting lineup, you know, as well. But what do you think about what uh, what was said? I think it was a good article, and uh, it's a lot of weight to what they're saying. Um, I don't see Lonzo coming off the bench though, just because uh, every time we tried to do that, it was never really productive. And uh, he seems to be kind of a rhythm guy, and the more minutes he plays, the better he plays. Um, I do like the idea of having Eric Blesso be a point guard and with the bench units, whether they stagger his minutes with Lonzo Ball or however they do that or play him short starting minutes and throw like a Josh Hart out there, like you're saying, I think would be smart, or J.J. Redick, and uh, kind of mix him with uh, Nikhil on uh, that second unit. Bro. I, don't, I don't think Nikhil is ready to be the primary point guard or second unit. And obviously we drafted Kara Lewis. So I don't think that's really the vision they have for him anyway. And uh, he may play some minutes at the three. Uh, he did grow an inch or an inch and a quarter or something like that. Uh, I remember last season. So he may be a little taller and bigger than what we remember him at the beginning of last season. And we could possibly see him play at the three and maybe the two or probably some point guard duty. So I think that would be interesting. But uh, I think they're spot on with Kiara Lewis, man. Uh, obviously, in the beginning stretch of the season, we're not going to see a lot from him. He young guy. He's a rookie in a very weird season with a short, very condensed training camp. So it's, he's not going to pick everything up. You could be a future Hall of Famer in this scenario, and they probably still wouldn't be starting um, – in the beginning of the season, or if they are starting, you won't expect a lot out of them with the circumstances the way they are. So, yeah, by the middle of the season, he could be somebody that you could see in the starting lineup. And uh, Eric Blesso could be easily running a bench unit, or vice versa. We really don't know. It's fun to think about, though, right? 
Yeah, it is definitely uh, fun to kind of analyze and go over it because, man, they can they can do a series of different things, to be honest with you, man, going in, uh, in many different directions here because, uh, man, what can I tell you? They, they're so versatile, man. So versatile. I think we're so many one pieces. of the most versatile teams in the league. Yeah, you? I'm in the I'm, league. In the league season like that, the NBA season like that. Obviously, they have so many uh, national televigate, television uh, appearances for this team. They're expecting a lot of high powering, uh, really good basketball from the Pelicans. You you sure? Because that ain't what none of the analysts saying. Well, I mean, they can say what they want, but and when you uh you listen to all our fans, man, everybody hungry because they keep asking about all these wings. <laughs> well, the, the only thing I can tell them is be a little patient, man. We're gonna see what goes on, uh, moving forward into this thing because, like I said, it's a lot of versatility, a lot of moving parts and pieces, and we just begin the season here and see what it looks like, man. So stand you, you know back on it to figure it out. Missing from this article, other than uh, you, you said your man Josh Hart, which I think he's in the picture, but uh, the, what about uh Nigel Marshall, man, our two way guy? I think that guy really has a lot of potential, Big Q, and that could possibly be the the wing that everybody keep calling for, as well as a versatile defender that could guard one through possibly four, and also uh, Winyan Gabriel is an, is is my sleeper. I think he's going to be a guy that we all get real used to, and we're going to see him be one of them fringe guys, possibly stealing some some minutes from Melly. Yeah, you got that's a good call on uh Winyan Gabriel because there is no other player that's like Winyan that's coming that that's gonna back up Mag- the power through five, position. Q. Right. I I'm I'm probably exaggerating them guarding the one, but you get my point. No, no, I I get what you're saying. But he can guard he can guard the, the five, four, and the three. I mean he's 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 athletic, he's tough as nails, he dives on the floor, he has a lot of tenacity. I mean, and he's in he's still getting better as a player. So I mean, if you look at behind the the bench rotation behind Zion Williamson and the rest of them, you gotta look at Winning Gabriel. He has an opportunity to really steal some minutes away because his hustle man game will garner a lot of attention and get and get him minutes to play. I mean, the guys he cleans up the boards, he runs the floor well. I mean, he's just he's ferocious. I mean, you, a lot of people don't, don't know who Winyan Gabriel is. You'll ultimately find out who he is when you see this the guy running the floor, blocking shots, taking on anybody there. Not let. I mean, the guy is a terrific player. I would, I would encourage him to go back to the playoffs and watch that series against the Lakers. Yeah, he's guarding and see, and see yeah. who was guarding AD. Yeah. Not that he shut AD down, but just the the fact that he was able to guard him intensely and give him a little bit of trouble. Right. That's very impressive for a guy that young at about six seven. You know, so I, I you can't discount you can't discount him, man. I just I, I loved what I saw from him. Really, I'm gauging it based off that playoff series with the Lakers because we weren't following the Pelicans. I, I mean not the Pelicans, we weren't following the Blazers all last year. And he wasn't playing that much until that point in the playoffs. In the bubble. Obviously, so you know a lot of people. Uh, Dame Lillard then came out and said, "Uh, the bubble is easy. Was easy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying?" So, a lot of people looking at that and saying that you know, LeBron got the Mickey Mouse ring. That's what they calling it, right, Big Q? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's what they calling it because we wanted then in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in Disneyland. Disneyland, right? So, right, right, I mean, right. but it is what it is, and I'm pretty sure that uh, Damon Lillard would take it. He wasn't going there competing his ass off for nothing. So, I mean, 
Uh, he wanted it too. It's just amazing at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, I don't, we, I don't we'll think it, it was a slight at LeBron when he no, said No, I, I don't think, think he's just telling the character. Right. It was easy because they ain't had to travel. You know what I'm saying? Man was just telling the truth. But uh, when Gabriel did his thing in the bubble, and I, it, even if the bubble is easier, I don't think you can apply those same sentiments to defense. But uh, maybe I could be wrong. But we about to find out. And uh, I, I got him as my sleeper, man, along with Nigel Marshall, man. I think uh, potentially, just like Kara Lewis, around the middle of the season, we, we might see this guy make an appearance. Somebody's going to get COVID at some point. Uh, somebody going to get hurt. And you're going to have to bring somebody up to the active roster. And I think he could possibly be that first guy. I don't think uh, Will Nagy this year will beat him out, but we'll see. It's interesting. The Najee Marshall pick is interesting because when you talk about wings, he has that size. He has the size and the and the ability to play that position. A lot of people not talk about Najee Marshall because he's a two-way player that uh, a lot of people don't know if he'll actually make the active roster. But the, if you watch... He's a two-way player, Q. I mean, once you're two-way, ain't yeah. you already pretty much solidified? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh-huh. to a degree. But I'm saying he has to be able to pick it up and gain the confidence of the coaching staff to be able to right, have right. that. So that'll be problematic uh, for him. But he's. A, but listen, the thing I like about Najee Marshall is the fact that he has the size. He's about six foot seven. He has a good wingspan. The guy has all-around game, and he has the right mentality that fits into what Stan Van Gundy likes his players to have. I mean, he's ferocious on the defensive end. He's also an attack dog on the offensive end. And he, like I said, he has the correct size. So the guy could play, I think he averaged like, what, D.C., about 16, 17 points a game last year from Zay. Yeah, I think it was somewhere around there. So he's absolutely. He was was their primary scoring option, I believe. Right. So, I mean, he's he's, he's terrific, man. But we'll see if uh, he stands out here, man. So, uh, I think Stan sees a, a a poor man's Rashard Lewis in him, bro. A little bit that's of Rashard saying, Lewis. That's, in that, that's saying a lot because Rashard Lewis, when he was with Seattle early on, he was quite the player. All right, let's look at. Let's go to the next article there. But keep an eye out on Najee Marshall, man. That's that's worth worth saying. All right, next article coming from the Lonzo Wire there, DC. Lonzo believes that he is a triple double threat every night, prime for a breakout season, and of course. This wouldn't have nothing to do with his contract is coming down, right? <laughs> after Matt's, after watching teammate and, and friend Brandon Ingram break out last season with the Pelicans, culminating with the most improved player award and a max contract this offseason, Lonzo Ball enters his fourth season in a similar situation with similar goals. A third season that, by his own admission, it was inconsistent and saw some of the ball's highest highs in his career, but finished with one of the worst stretches of his uh, of the performance in the biggest games of his career inside the bubble. After a healthy offseason for the first time in his professional career, remember that, that's more noteworthy, Ball returned to New Orleans ready to break out last season. Was a good learning lesson, Ball said. I think it was full of up and downs. I think it started off slow, then obviously started going way up and then went back down in the bottle. It was my first year here. I'm happy to be here. Like I said, I just wanted to get things going again and start off on a good note this year. He also said, I know this was a different type of offseason, but for me, this is the longest offseason I've had. I was definitely happy to be able to get to, to get that time to work on my game and show what I can do this year. First, now from the start of December through March, when the league shut down due to C-19, Ball pieced together the best stretch of his career in a 45-game span ball, three 13 points a game, 7.3 assists, almost seven rebounds per contest while playing almost 34 minutes per game. Most importantly, he shot... 39% from three on 6.5 attempts per game. However, in the final seven games of the season with a playoff spot, 
on the line ball mirrored the overall team performance from New Orleans in the bubble, averaging seven points per game and shooting a miserable 28% from the field in Orlando. That experience, though, may serve as a final lunching pad to his breakout campaign, at least according to what Ingram is saying. He said, I know for myself that experience, when you go through it all, it makes a better person, make a better basketball player, Ingram said the ball. I think him going through everything that he went through and having a chance to actually have a healthy all season, a healthy end of the season and actually being able to lift and be on the court is going to be a big difference. I know he's motivated. He's here every day on time. He's in the workouts on time doing everything he needs to be become to become the best player that he can be. It's all about the mentality that he has. I can sit up here and say he's going to win anything or whatever he's going to have, whatever's going to happen. But if he's good mentally every day, he comes in and does everything he's been doing. He's going to get something good from it, from it. I think the ball didn't elaborate says what, what improvements he's looking to show on the court. He did make note of the biggest goal each game. He says, I mean, I just go out there and do the things I know I can do on the court. At the end of the day, I believe I'm a triple double threat every night. And that's why I'm going to go out there and try and try to do. So there's very forceful words by Alonzo. Of course, he knows. He said last season that he's going after that most uh, improved player award that the MIP. He wants that. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, in a noteworthy item. Another word noteworthy item here, D.C., is the fact that that offseason, he had an opportunity to have a long offseason in which he was healthy, in which he would improve upon his game and his body. So that's a big plus. And it's also a big plus because he's really confident coming into this season. So it'll be really good to see exactly how Stan Van Gundy unleashes him in this system. What do you think about that? I don't think Lonzo Ball was playing when he said, y'all better post my shit next year too. I think he meant that. <laughs> and I think we about to see just how much of it and how serious he was about it because um, this guy, man, is one of the most enigmatic players I've ever seen, man. There's so many people that hate him, and then you got these other people that love him so much and, I guess, overvalue him. And it's just a very weird situation. And uh, I don't think a lot of the hate he really deserves, honestly. Uh, I followed his career. He seems to be a very nice Genuine person, man, uh, a great facilitator, has the capability to be possibly a floor general if he could get his mentality together. And uh, we'll see if we can possibly dra- average a triple-double. I mean, it's, what, three more assists, four, four more rebounds? Uh, I could see him getting a 16-8-8 eight maybe, but, you know, the triple-double is a little lofty goal. But it would be very interesting to see, man, Uh I like to see him get off to a good start. Uh, man, say he never had a great off. He never had a long off season or a real off season. Lonzo Ball always been hurt, and when I watched him, and when I watched him, I think a combination of him not being able to hit free throws and scared to get injured probably may have been what we've been seeing when he attacks the paint. So we'll see what it all looks like this year, man. Uh, you, he put some practice videos out there of what he's been doing. We've been working out with Trey Young. Uh, he's with Clutch Sports. Got a lot of their their people over there. He working with. So uh, I, I think it's going to be some facets to his game that have been added, and hopefully they can fix or remedy these uh, pick and roll problems he have and these problems attacking the basket. But the first thing I want to see that'll get me more excited than anything 
is when Lonzo get fouled and he go to the free throw and hit both of them. I mean, when he go to the free throw line, hit both of them damn free throws. If he do that and he go to have a game where he hit four out of five free throws, hey man, look, he might be on his way, man. He might be on his way to that triple double. What you think, Big Q? Yeah, I, I have to tend to dis- disagree with you. I'm just messing with you, DC. <laughs> you don't think he can get a triple gobble? <laughs> I don't think anybody can. I don't think nobody can get a triple gobble. The sub bitch don't exist. <laughs> I know about triple doubles. I don't know about triple gobbles. What you know about triple doubles? If you man. get a triple gobble in the, in the NBA, you really doing some stuff. Let me tell you something. But anyway, I'm just messing with you, DC. Big ups to DC, man. You know, we just mess around. We got personality at the Pelican Postgame Report. Big ups to the family members joining the live stream, man. Big ups to you. Thank you for chiming in. Any questions, concerns, or you want to uh, ask um, DC or myself, please feel free to put it in the chat. Big ups to all the family members in the oh. building. Loney, Loney Lorette, big ups to you. Go Pelicans. That's right. Big ups to you. Unique Loney. view. Unique view. Big ups to you. DJ saying, uh, hit the like button as well. Thank you, DJ. Big ups to you, fam. Appreciate that, DJ. This is the this is the interesting thing about the Pelicans, man. Uh, as we get ready <clears throat> to end the live stream, I just think, really, man, truly, honestly, that I'm I'm really have I have a, a real deep down excitement about the team, like playoffs. Now, last year it was okay. It was a hesitancy. I was like, this team is so so low, it's so talented. We can't help to do nothing but make the playoffs. But as you can see. When you have a guy like Elvin Gentry, who's a half a coach, has a has a pretty good offensive mind, but is terribly lacking on the defensive end, you had a half a team. So the coach, uh, his aura or his mindset, you know, it, we were a sloppy, undisciplined team that's similar to Gentry's style of coaching. Sometimes he's disciplined, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes it looks like your team's running plays. Sometimes it looks, you know, they're freestyling out there, you know. Sometimes, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It was, it was a joke. But with this guy, this guy's attention to detail, he's more orientated toward that end of a DC, a lot more organized there. He's a lot more meticulous with his style. Uh, He believes in practicing hard and that that will relay over to the games. And it's such a refreshing mode to have a coach that has more of an uh, onus toward the defensive side of the ball because we've been talking about this for years. We've been saying for years that the that the Pelicans should be a defensive style team. If we can get a little of that Memphis grit and mix it in with some of our three point shooting, we might be a very unique uh, uh, look here uh, for the Pelicans. So you got Stan Van Gundy, who wasn't our favorite. Let's let's not play in the games. He wasn't most certainly wasn't my uh, pick to be here. But you know the guy that I want's blackballed. But right. the but the reality is Stan Van Gundy is a hell of a coach though. If you look, if you research him, and I researched Van Gundy all the way back until uh, to his college days, and everywhere this man's went, he has a great basketball mind. He knows what he's doing in terms of building. My instinct, my issue with Stan Van Gundy was the fact that he doesn't stay very. He doesn't stay uh, places very long because his personality tends to uh, wear on you. So hence the four year contract. But if if this could all change, is he getting older in his career? There could be some adjustments made, especially when you're on a team with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and guys like that, you know, and, and this could be your last hurrah as a head coach. I mean, you you would tend to, you know, adjust your your your, your coaching style or what have you. But it's really interesting, man. I have an excitement about this team coming into this year. And I really think the Pelicans, man, 
are a team. We're going to make the playoffs. And then I really think in two to three years, this team will be competing for a championship. I heard you heard me. I said it. Usually when we talk about the Pelicans on the Pelican Post Game Report, we don't talk about the Pelicans going to the finals. We really don't. If you go back and listen to a lot of shows, and that's not because we organically planted that way. We know we we keeping it real. We're not going to put up a bunch of big ass aspirations. Say the Pelicans going to the finals this year. That's not <laughs> that's not the case. This is a young team. They they, they, they got like the, the Dallas Cowboys. Then if we we'd be, start doing that, bro. the Dallas Cowboy, the Atlanta Falcons, all of them. We'd be the same damn way. You know, <laughs> we got we got to we, we understand it's a process to get there, and these young players have to develop that experience. They have to play on the floor at the same time. They have to have the correct scheme. They have to play defense. But I know we're on the right track with the defense. If we if you bring in Steven Adams, listen, DC, that was a major piece of the puzzle. A lot of people don't like him because he can't shoot threes, and the hell with that. But Steven Adams covers a lot of ground. He's one of the fat, uh, one of the strongest, if not the strong, uh, the strongest person in the NBA. He's he. You don't really run any plays for for him unless uh, you got uh, Zoe Ball running around for you know alley oop to Steven Adams as he's rim running. But Steven Adams gets his points. And his stuff the dirty way. He cleans up the glass, and you know he he gets the stick back points. You don't have that type of of intelligence, defensively speaking, and that ferocity. You can't teach that. And Stephen Adams is also a guy that's big on being here for long. Like you don't have to worry about. Hopefully, what happened with Derek Favors in and out of the lineup due to injuries. Stephen Adams is a guy that's that has held the history of playing a, a lot of games. He has a, a streak there where he's going to be on the floor for you. And I think he will definitely help Zion Williamson on it from different standpoints. So I like the move, Stephen Adams. I like that. I like the Kira Lewis Jr. I was able to look up what Kira could bring to the fray as well. I mean, it's a, it's interesting. Plus, where do we do with NAW? Who's a piece? That nobody know what happened. But DC, like the article said, you can he can possibly be that guy you're looking for, but we don't quite know yet. Maybe Stan Van molds him into something. I see pictures of Jackson Hayes hitting the, hitting the weights, you know, getting ready. So remember, these guys, you're looking at a guy like Zion Williamson. Remember the class that Zion came in with? All of those guys were first-round draft picks, all of them, Jackson Hayes and NAW. So, I mean, this will – and then not to forget D.D. Rosada, who's still playing overseas in Australia – just still developing. So, I mean, it's interesting nonetheless, uh, DC comment on that. Very, very interesting, man. And you covered a whole lot there, man, in your, uh, your epilogue, epilogue. <laughs> but, uh, I, I think you're right, man. I agree with most of your points. Um, I can't find fault in anything you're saying, but what I like to add is, uh, Stan Van Gundy, um, man, as much, I remember when we first, found out he was hired. We weren't all excited, but we weren't super disappointed. The more I sit back and think about it, we have a really extremely young team. We have the COVID situation, right? We just come from a coach, as you called him, a half a coach, who would basically fly by the seat of his pants and don't play no defense. And now we're going to a coach that's going to be have plans down to everything, probably to when the team's going to go to the damn bathroom on their road trip. They do meticulous. Right. So you come from one extreme to the other, and I think it's going to be a lot of positive from that for this 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 group. But I think he's uh, basically like what they was calling Lonzo Ball in the, in the, the interview. He's a connector. 
<laughs> he's going to be a person that connects us to that possible championship down the road. Uh, hopefully, it could be with him. But if not, they would be very ready to for a new coach or something new, innovative. And they would have went through basically everything to come into what they need, which is balance. So we didn't have any defense last year. And we're going to go into this year playing a whole bunch of defense. And Unique View said we need to play bully ball. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I love that. You got, you got Zion, who's a dominant force on the on the block at the four, and possibly on the wing at the three now. I mean, Zion looking skinny, y'all. He's slim Zion. He's looking like he was in Duke. He might lose a few more pounds yeah. with this intense training yeah, camp. DC, not to cut you off, but James, big up to you, James Smith Jr. says, he asks about Zion's new body frames, and he looks uh, smaller even compared to himself at Duke, at Duke. This with James. Appreciate that, James. Big up to you, Harold. Big ups to you. He kind of looked uh, to me personally, but maybe maybe your eyes are a little better than mine, James. He looked about the same size that he was at Duke in the beginning of the season, not at the end of the season when he was 284, but kind of when he was coming straight out of college and he still had the – he still got a baby face, but – you you seen when his face got bigger. Y'all know what I'm talking about when he had the Pelicans jerseys on, cheeks and all that looked bigger. A lot of that looked like it then came down, man. So uh, with all that going on, he could be playing possibly at the four and the three. So we got so much versatility going on. We don't know what this team is going to be capable of, but I can tell you they're going to be capable of some great things. But hopefully we can harness all their potential this year and get into the playoffs. Um, I know we get at least going to get that run into the bubble. Big Q, I know you say we're going to make the playoffs. I know we're going to make it to the bubble. Uh, I would like to say we're going to make it to the playoffs, but it's going to be hard for me to say that without seeing at least the first 10 games of the season. And then after we looked at the schedule, I mean, man, we we, we got some games, bro. We start off against Toronto. We play San Antonio. Then we play Toronto again up in there. We play Miami. We played Phoenix. We uh we played OKC, which I mean OKC. I think we're gonna get that one. Then we then we got that run with the Clippers, the Lakers. Then we play uh the, the Kings. Been who ain't str- no, been, gonna be no slouches. Been struggling with then the you Kings. Play Utah. Then you play Utah twice. Yep. Uh, yep. I would like to say we're gonna be in the playoffs, man. But I really got to see how these games go. Um, more importantly, though, I would like to see growth. I mean, even if we did lose some of these games, I would like to see us growing and doing things differently and effectively. And I think all that's about to happen, man. Uh, the whole thing I was getting at with the Stan Van Gundy thing, it, nobody really kind of wanted him in the Pelicans Nation. I know the media and all that, they, they they try to hype us on him. But, you know, we wanted somebody new and innovative. Or Mark Jackson. Everybody wanted Mark Jackson. Look what he did with the Warriors. But uh, we ain't get him. Got Stan. But with this this situation, man, with COVID, I think we really might have knocked it out the park. You got a guy who's really meticulous, which means if if the player's following him, they probably ain't going to get COVID because he's going to have a goddamn plan for that too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So everything you could possibly want in a coach for a real young team with this situation, I think Stan Van Gundy, especially for this weird season we're about to have, is probably the best option we could have came across other than, you know, a premier name like Mark Jackson. 
Yeah, and I think Mark Jackson would have gave him the same thing, DC. I'm going to keep it real with you. I think uh, it, for the same thing in a different way coming from a different package being that Mark Jackson would have been a player guy and they would have kind of accepted it. They'll accept it a little smoother from Mark because he actually did it on the floor as opposed to Stan Van Gundy, who doesn't have that reputation as a guy that been playing basketball, uh, who was a guy who was a part of some pretty good playoff teams with Indiana. And uh, he played with the New York Knicks, a respected guy like Mark Jackson, who also has uh, the resume of what he did with Golden State, how he helped really elevate Steph, uh, Steph Curry's game. Uh, and get him where he is and created the floor for where he is and where he came from. So really interesting. But Stan Van Gundy, man, is a guy that has veterans here where he can give the game to the veterans. And, of course, he got to handle uh, the younger players a little bit more different and knowing that he has to circulate uh, stuff from Zion Williamson. But you're right. The, the C-19 stuff is all about how you deal with it. It's the same principle, like Coach Payton said, for the Saints. It's whoever handles it better will be will have the most success. And I think Stan Van Gundy and the, and the Pels, and to the, the, the be honest with you, the Saints have done a pretty good job too. So being that they're run by the same, uh, 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 you know, uh, the same administration, I expect that mentality to travel. But listen, the Pelicans making all these moves. They brought in a, a Stan Van Gundy. They retooled that administrators around uh, VP David Griffin and all these other guys. These are winners. You got Swim Cash and all these people. I mean, they are winners. Stan Van Gundy's staff is a pretty good damn staff as well. So they they have a very good, respected team here, and nothing less than the playoffs will be accepted from the family base. And I agree with you, Denard. Big ups to Denard Reed. He says, we're going to the playoffs. I believe in the Pelicans. I, I think so, too. We were supposed to be there last year, family. We failed because of the coach. And I'm going to be honest with you. He didn't inspire the team to win. But that's in the past. I'm going to let that go for now. But the reality is we have a guy that's not going to – he's going to inspire the team. He's going to – and then the, the cold part, uh, part about it is we got guys that's here that's looking to make moves. Lonzo Ball's looking to step his game up. And reach the level where you've seen a guy like Reed. So, uh, well, uh, Brandon Ingram did. So, I mean, there's incentives from guys like Zola Ball out. Even if we keep, keep him or we don't keep him, there's incentive for him to give the Pelicans the best. And you never know, moving into the season, I expect the Pelicans not to be a flop, but to be a respected team that'll be in there competing. You know, you. Right. Even if we're beating teams by one or two points to learn how to listen, if you're playing hardcore defense and you're rebounding and you're shot blocking against uh, teams and the Pelicans uh, end up, listen, family, I'm going to just say it. The Pelicans are going to be a top five defensive team in this league. And when that happens, you're going to see a lot of the offense off of the back of the defense. I'm just keeping it real with you. That's what you're going to see. A lot of that. Steve, you don't bring Steve. And I said it. I'm said it again. You don't bring Steven Adams in here. You don't bring guys like Winyan Gabriel in here and accentuate him. You already had Jackson Hayes, who's pretty good in his own right defensively. He just need to gain some more muscle. Zion Williamson is a, is a pretty damn good defender. Brandon Ingram is a good, you know, good defender. He could be a lot better. Zobal, his game is pass and defend. He can get better at the position. Eric Gordon, I mean, Eric Gordon, Eric Bledsoe. Uh, bleeding soul. He's another guy that's like they, his nickname's Little LeBron because he's a physical guard. He ain't, you ain't you can't you ain't gonna ain't bully him, bro. You ain't gonna bully Eric Bledsoe. I'm just moving him like they, that. Just like we say, Stephen Adams is one of the the strongest centers in the league. 
They look at go research Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe is considered one of the strongest point guards and guards in the game. Period. You're not gonna move and 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 push these guys around. They're tough as nails. So defense comes naturally to this Pelican club. Offensive, it'll ride off the back. But if you could teach them to play defense first, and then we can bring offense in because they offensively are already gifted and talented as well. well look what right. uh, Ingram did. Look what Ball does when he's inspired to do. Josh Hart, JJ Reddick, and the, and the list goes on and on. Zion. Williamson. These guys are already talented offensively. Let's teach them how to play defense first the right way. And I'm telling you, the Pelicans are going to be a top five defensive unit. We can build an offense off the back of that. I know Stan Van could do that. Uh, Stan Van Gundy do that much. Big ups to you, Harold Hunt. Much uh, much love for you uh, for chiming in. Appreciate the love, family. He says, I love this show, man. Keep doing what y'all doing. Homie, thank you. Appreciate you. No doubt. Uh, Harold, appreciate appreciate you, bro. you, bro. Much love. And thank you all the family members for your love as well. Uh, DC, back to you. Uh, I want to give you the, the floor to comment on what I just said. Man, uh, I, 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 I'll be looking for something to disagree with you with sometimes, bro. But, man, you you, 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 own it. you own it with this one, man. Top five defense, I, I think that's very possible. And I don't think a lot of people are thinking about what that's going to do with our offense, man. Uh, you got Lonzo Ball, to me, who's probably one of the best transition players for creating transition and um then you got all this stuff about steven adams being somebody who's gonna clog the paint and uh limit space man i don't think people watch this dude man oh, this dude sets screens he do all the dirty work if they got a skirmish there he's gonna be there to protect his players he he gonna rebound on the offense and defensive glass he's gonna catch alleys and have people fearing him that way and he's a smart basketball player he's gonna move on the floor where he needs to be. We didn't have any spacing issues with Derek Favors, did we? No. Steven Adams is an upgrade over Derek Favors all the way around the board, offensively and defensively, and health-wise, which was the major knock we had on Derek Favors. And uh, then you got Lonzo Ball hitting threes. Uh, ble- uh, bleeding so. <laughs> Cute called man, bleeding so. Bledsoe is uh, not as bad at shooting threes as people think. Like, I mean, the dude did shoot 34%. I understand he had some troubles in the playoffs and all of that, but he shot 34%. Drew Holiday shot literally 1% higher. And I don't think he was taking, like, a whole bunch less three-pointers than Drew. Uh, so, I I, I don't – what what you say, Big Q? I said, say, it, say it again from the back so the people can hear you about the Drew Bledsoe. Uh, Eric Bledsoe uh, versus Drew Holiday. I said Drew Drew Bledsoe. Drew, that's crazy. You got <laughs> Drew ain't back yet, bro. Right, you got Drew Holiday and you got Eric Bledsoe, and I just I'm thinking Drew uh, Drew Bledsoe. God, that's crazy. But anyway, uh, Drew Holiday versus Eric Bledsoe. That's the comparison well, a lot that, of people that, are making. That's, that's that's a comparison, but from a shooter's perspective, it's not as bad as people are thinking. Like, okay, we Drew Holiday is a better player than Eric Bledsoe. But it's not like it's by leaps and bounds and he's like three tiers in front of the guy. Eric Bledsoe is not a slouch. He's not. If anything, I would say Eric Bledsoe is probably better at finishing at the rim than Drew Holiday. Nobody says that. Drew Holiday obviously is a better better shooter spotting up. Yeah. But shooting off the dribble, I think Eric Bledsoe is just as good. When he's in a rhythm, he got it going, shooting off the dribble. He'll, he'll watch your eyes out. 
and I don't think people really realize that, man. Man, he was big man, for Milwaukee like, last year. I mean, before they got knocked out that that, that right. last round, but he was really big for them over the last couple of years playing in the in the playoffs and during the season. Bledsoe was a key uh, component to what was going on in Milwaukee, no doubt about it. People act like he wasn't the reason that they was getting sixty wins. Like he wasn't a part of that. They wasn't getting sixty wins before they didn't. They when they didn't have him. I don't know if y'all remember that. Milwaukee was good without him, yeah, but they weren't this 60-win dominant team that they were without Eric Bledsoe. He was a part of them being the number one defense. The dude didn't make second team all defense for nothing. That wasn't an accident. Yeah, we all in Pelican Nation feel Drew Holiday should have been there, but in, in other people's defense outside of Pelicans Nation, how are we going to put Drew Holiday on the defensive team when we was ranked 29th defensively? how that work? We are we here. We know Drew. We know Drew was doing this thing, but Milwaukee was the number one team, and Eric Bledsoe was doing this thing. Man, he got great hands. He gonna get steals. He gonna do a lot of the stuff that Drew did. Like we're not gonna miss that much there. And then you got Brandon Ingram, who about who gonna wet your eyes out forty percent, and Lonzo Ball wetting you out forty percent. JJ Reddy is shooting forty five percent off the bench. Uh, Walker gonna shoot about 35 percent. Kiara Lewis probably going to shoot about the same. Josh Hart shoots about the same. Like, well, I don't know why all this stuff coming from us not having this spacing, but people going to see. But uh, that, that top five defensive status, man, that that definitely, definitely should be something that we aiming for, and I think that's very reachable. And if we supersede that and go higher than that top five defensive ranking, now you're talking about playoffs and possibly being a spoiler. If we somehow can be number two or three at defense, man, I'd be really excited about the Pelicans. And that's also going to tell me that Zion finally did what he was supposed to do. He lost the weight. And a lot of people talking about, oh, Zion, he don't play no defense. He don't play no defense. It's just like, I guess they never watched him at Duke. I guess they never watched uh, rookie players before. It's not like they don't have a learning curve on defense. I ain't never remember a rookie player being defensive player of the year. That ain't by accident. So, Zion losing the weight, being fully healthy, and him buying into the defense and being a, a help defender, uh, man, or uh, being an on-ball defender on the wing. I don't think people realize how good this guy is all around his whole game. He's more than just somebody you dump the ball into the post and, and get some buckets with. The dude could ball. He could play deep. He can handle the ball. He can facilitate. We got a lot of stuff going on here, man. We just got to see if Stan Van Gundy know how to cook, and that's what we about to find out. But every team he went to, Big Q, like you said, they've been winners. He averages, uh, what, I think it was 10-plus 10, 10 wins or something at uh, every stop he's been at from the old regime. He adds 10 wins to that a season. So we won 30-something games last year. So we could be looking at 40 this year. And I, that definitely going to put you in the playoffs if it's a 72-game season. Yeah, I got to look. I, I, the way I see it is, and I'm going to keep it real with you, I think uh, the the defense, the top five rating for the defense is something that is definitely realistic. I mean, I mean seriously. You got to have the ingredients to be able to pull off something like that. And let's just be honest, man. I think they have every bit of what they need to do that. And it starts with coaching. It does. 
And of course, we talk about Stan Van Gundy, but let's talk about it because I don't know if we said it. I might have hey, mentioned well, the previous shows. Thank you. I want to ask you a question. Uh, DJ, DJ say, uh, you think we're going to retire Drew Holiday's number 11? I don't think so. I don't think we retire Drew Holiday's number. I'm just going to just keep it real. I don't think we'll do it. <laughs> Anthony Davis, hey. yes, but not Drew Holiday. I'm just, just keeping well, did, it real. Did we, did we ain't retire Chris Paul number neither. There, there you go. And, you know, and a bit of caveat information just to throw. Uh, on to the people about uh, Eric Bledsoe is the fact that Eric Bledsoe, when he came into the league, uh, he had a lot of mentorship. And one of the people that helped him to develop into a really good point guard was Chris Paul. So let's remember that, that, that connection that uh, him, remember he was in his, he spent his time with the Clippers and all that. And Chris Paul and, and it helped, had helped him become a real, he gives a lot of that to Chris Paul, helping him develop into a really good NBA uh, uh, starting point guard. Let me then let me segue to this because we talk about the defense and we talked about the Pelicans making the leap from a nine playoff team, a nine nine playoff team to a playoff team. And I really do think that the Pelicans can be a top five of, of units. Steven Adams makes that realistic. Zion Williamson's and is their infection is their excitement about the defensive inside of the defensive side of the uh, court. This is the, the interesting thing about the whole matrix. The the Pelicans players are talented players offensively, like I said. Defensively, if we can get them to play at, above that board or on that level, man, there's nothing that we can't do. I mean, and, and like Stan said several times, he said that he wants to build the offense off of the defense. So defense first, then the offense come. This team already can score the ball. If you look at the talent that they have, Ingram and Zion, I, can't, I don't have to keep going over, but these guys are already talented offensively speaking. Defensively, it's a whole other thing. If you're a top five unit, defensively speaking, in the NBA, you're going to be at a lot of half-ass teams. You will. If we were more disciplined, a top five unit, we beat Utah. We don't go in there and then lose these haphazardly ridiculous, stupid-ass games to Utah where we barely lose by a three to four or five points. We win those contests because we're disciplined. Defense and not turning the ball over. Those are the two key things we focus on as being a better team. Do you not understand how many wins that adds to your category when you can beat teams that are not as disciplined as you from a defensive standpoint and you're disciplined, you're respecting the ball, you're not giving it or turning it over. You're holding on to the ball, you're making the right moves. That's something that Stan Van Gundy will focus on. Let's go over the coaching staff because I might have made mention of the coaching staff, but maybe not we ain't go into the coaching staff. But the Pelicans coaching staff, man, listen, they have some people. All right. The guy that Stan Van Gundy reached out and went and got, he went and got Bob Myers. So if you might not know who Bob Myers is, guy has over 35 years of NBA experience. He was most recently assistant on Sacramento's Kings staff in 2019, 2020. Prior to joining the Kings, he served as an assistant coach with OKC Thunder during the 2018, 2019 season. Wait, wait, Big Q, you said the Kings in 35 games? You're not talking about Al Gentry? <laughs> no, I'm talking about Bob Byer. Bob oh, Bear. Okay, Bear. All right, all right. All right, and Bear spent nine seasons on Van Gundy's coaching staff, including four seasons with Detroit from 2014 to 2018, had five seasons with Orlando in 07 to 2012, where he helped Orlando reach the postseason five consecutive times, including a 09 NBA Finals appearance. And I would like to say that this Pelican club is a little bit more talented than that team, and they had some really good pieces there. But look at what you have here. I mean, seriously. He's a really experienced NBA coach that knows about de- defense. Bob Bear's uh, coaching acumen is defense. That's what he does. Let's move to the next one. Casey Hill enters the first season with the Pelicans after spending the past two seasons as an assistant coach with the Clippers. 
prior to joining, he was working with Doc Rivers. That has, so he has that game in him. He'll spend the 2017-18 season as the, as the head coach of the Clippers G League affiliate. So he has some, uh, you know, some sway in moving people around from a G League perspective, but that's still experience nonetheless. And of course, he joined the Clippers after four seasons as the head coach of another G League team with the San Antonio Crew. I mean, the San uh, Santana, uh, the Santa Cruz. So the Santa Cruz Warriors. And he led the franchise to the first ever G League title. So he has some experience in doing that. So this is pretty good. And this guy here also has an acumen toward the offensive side of things. So he this these these are interesting candidates at them. And then of course remember Fred Vincent. We don't have to say anything about Freddie V. He backed for his eleventh assistant in his eleventh season as assistant in New Orleans prior to joining the Pelicans. Vincent was an assistant coach for the Clippers. In addition to his duties as an assistant, Vincent also served as director of player programs for the Clippers, where he's responsible for mentoring young players. This is what Freddie V does, man. He's a great. Uh, person to react to the younger people he's a bridge between the younger players and the older administration he makes it work and it was a terrific idea by bringing freddie v back he was one of the main reasons him and jj reddit for kind of helping out several pelicans players including lonzo ball develop their games help change lonzo's ugly jump shot broken jump shot into a really nice uh shot where he's shooting the three ball uh pretty good so freddie v's on the squad as well rex walters is another guy that was an assistant coach. Understand Van Gundy that he has a familiarity with. So Stan Van went back and picked up. This dude also has head coaching experiences with the University of San Francisco and other things. He uh, prior to that becoming, he was in, served as a assistant coach with Florida Atlantic. So he has a wealth of experience both collegiately and pro wise. He was also a former player that was drafted 16 overall in the NBA draft by New Jersey. So. He has some player experiences with uh, Rex Walters there. And, of course, what about one of the greatest women basketball players of all time and Teresa Weatherspoon? You bring mm. the, you bring Spoon on the team, man. Come on. Teresa Weatherspoon returns for second step. You know, in second season, she's uh, well, she was the two-way player development coach, and now they're making an assistant coach. And we all know the accolades about Teresa and what she did with the Liberty uh, development there and in her accolades is the greatness that she did as a basketball player all that man all into the college level this the, Teresa's a winner she's on the staff and then if they add a hustler supreme and Corey Brewer remember him Corey Brewer was, too for, yeah, had a connection with uh, Lonzo and Ingram already and Joshua and that's something so you bring Corey Brewer he joins the Pelicans as a player <laughs> development man with 13 years in the league He's your player development coach. I think that was a really good idea to get him. And then there are others that also that they brought in. They got Bino Ugrit, who he was a former uh, player of himself, spent many years all international game, played for all kind of teams uh, through his career. Uh, Milwaukee, Sacramento, San Antonio, Orlando, New York, Memphis, Miami, Detroit. He won two championships with the Spurs in 05 and 07. He was overseas. And now he's a player development coach. And you can look at this dude as his connections internationally speaking. So not a bad bunch of people. That, and then there are other people uh, that's a little bit below who also like Darnell Lazari and the rest of these people that have come on. So, they, so Stan, the man, has built a pretty good uh, assistant coaching staff to help with the development of the Pelicans. And like I said, this is a super, super talented team with a lot of pieces in place. You already have a bona fide superstar. You already have a top-notch all-star. You just paid them uh, a big dough. You got Zion locked in. for. Now you got 
a cohesion here. You got two of your young, your two young superstars tied in together for the next four, three, uh, next four years together. Man, listen. And now you got your coach here for four years. The window is four years. So let's make it happen. And Pelicans will make the playoffs the first year, the second year, they'll prove upon it. The defense is the key family, not just necessarily the offense. People are all uh, built on the hopium of dealing with the shooting. It's not just about the shooting. It's about the defense. If he can turn them into a top five team and teach them to play defense at that level, and I know that they can because they got all the pieces, and then also stop the damn turnovers, Man, listen, the Pelicans going to the playoffs, 40-plus wins. Listen, ain't no 40. I'm looking 45 wins for the Pelicans. Defense and, like turn, defense and turn, defense and turn, and keeping your turnovers down is key to beating a lot of undisciplined teams in the league, D.C. Go. Man, you, you, you're absolutely right, bro. If you can take them uh, turnovers away from the team we had last year, we would have been in the playoffs. I mean, what would we turn the ball over 19, 18 times a game? Something crazy like that. And uh, you you obviously mess up your transition defense by doing that. So your defensive ranking is going to go way down just on that right there. So with that that wonderful coaching staff that we got, man, uh, sitting back hearing you call them out, I knew we got all of these people, man. But just hearing it being said is, like, even more impressive of what we actually did. Um, I think a lot of what we're doing, too, is going to fly under the radar. A lot of people are not going to be ready for the Pelicans. They, I mean, we're a young team. You got a lot of players that haven't really been around a lot. Sure, they've seen what B.I. did. They've seen Zion a little bit. But I, I don't think people are just going to be taking us serious like that because you got Steven Adams coming over here, Bledsoe. You don't know how they're going to look with that. And then you got Stan Van Gundy. They really don't know what the hell we're going to be running because it's obvious with all these young players – we're not going to just be a defense and set it up and run no damn half-court offense. Nah, we're going to play defense, but we also going to want to be kind of an up-tempo team and run, too. We're going to run. We got one of the best point guards to do that. We got the probably one of the best power forwards to do that with in Zion. Brandon Ingram ain't no slouch either in getting down the court. Everybody can run. Steven Adams, I don't know him for being a hell of a sprinter, but he's pretty mobile for a big guy, man. He can get up and down that court, too. So you got all that going on. And you got the teams here sitting in that top eight. You got Houston falling out. Uh, James Harden ain't showing up the workouts. That ain't good for them. I know they got John Wall and, and Boogie, but they both coming off Achilles says, Ain't that crazy? Then you got the Warriors. We don't know what the hell they going to be. But I'm going to say for the sake of it, just throw the Warriors in the playoff race. OKC is not going to be back in the playoffs. They not. The Lakers, the Clippers, you know they're going to be there. Denver probably is going to be there. Utah should be there, but, I mean, Utah ain't due for, for a fuck-up. Maybe. I don't know. Everybody's counting on Phoenix getting in there, but they're not guaranteed. We don't know what that's going to look like. Chris Paul is 35. But uh, we got some hell of a competition to get there, man. Then you still got Sacramento. Um, we talk about Evan Gentry. He does a lot of things wrong, but they got him in the right position as an assistant. He, to me, he would be a good assistant. So I think the offense obviously will be better, and that's a team that we actually struggle with. So I wouldn't be real super excited with seeing them in the playing tournament. But we did struggle with Sacramento under the tutelage of Alvin Gentry. So it might look a lot different with Stan Van Gundy. And uh, I'm just thinking about how we would match up with people. Everybody's worrying about this wing depth we don't have and how we going to guard wings. Well, look, if Zion's going to play a little bit at the three, 
Zion is a hell of a defender. Brandon Ingram can play at the two. You can put Winyan Gabriel in at the four and Steven Adams and have a really super tall ass lineup if you want to do that. Super athletic, too. Super and ferocious. Athletic. And ferocious. And that's just one of the lineups. There's several other things you can do. You can put uh, Nikhil in there as a backup small forward. A lot of people don't realize uh, Nikhil is about 6'6". So they're talking about Alonzo's going to be a forward. Why? Why Alonzo got to play the three when you just put Nikhil right there? If you want a, a 6'6 uh, guard right there that, that can play some defense too. And he's a young guy. And he's going to be coming off the bench. A ton of energy. Sitting there waiting, looking for something to do. So that's that's just another aspect. What if you just put Wayne Gabriel at the three, put Zion at the four, and have him guard a wing? Wayne Gabriel is 6'7", very athletic guy, great defender. I'm pretty sure he can guard wings. So a lot of the things that we had problems with as we go down the list and you really start realistically looking at it, they're going to be cleaned up and fixed. My main thing, what I kept saying last season was, uh, man, every time we had these horrible-ass games with free-throw shooting, like, man, that's a mark on coaching, Q. That is bad coaching when your whole team is bad at free-throw shooting. Look, if you right. come out and with intensity and effort this next game, we lose, but y'all shot 85%, 84% from the free-throw line, and we, we lost by a couple of points, coach can't be mad, like, and you can't be mad at the coach. He, he did his job. The fouls were down. Just just different things that impact coaching. I mean, you know some of the stats you can look at. But when you you, you can't hit your damn free throws, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got turnovers all over the place, or transition defense toe up, it, I mean, it, it, and, you're, and you're losing by 10, 15 points. Like, that ain't a mark on coaching when it keep on happening. So a lot of those type of weird games we saw where it was obvious that the Pelicans had enough talent to be on the floor with a team against them, and then they just collapse and fall apart in the fourth quarter. Or they go on this, this the team goes on this run, and they, the Pelicans just never recover. And it was almost like they quit and gave up. When you got a real good coach or a coach that's meticulous and instills toughness and defense, and he not going to have that. He'll have a goddamn – Two-way team starting Thematic. before he let you be out there with no intensity and effort. The whole damn starting lineup would get, get, get benched. What you think Greg Popovich would do in a situation like that where we saw Alvin Gentry go through a lot of times, even though we did see him just randomly throw a lot of lineups out there and try to see what the hell would happen. Um, I think he showed too much favoritism to the guys that were there before some of these uh, younger players that, that we got, in my opinion, last year. And it was just retarded to see uh, him keep trying to force feed these short guys on the wing. Have Drew Holiday guarding goddamn Andy Davis uh, and LeBron. And Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant went out of his way to uh, actually compliment Drew, you know, on the job that he did on him. But, I mean, Kevin Durant's a difficult one. Ain't nobody stopping him. But still, just it, it just looked crazy to see Drew. Gordon Kevin Durant, man. Man don't stand a chance in hell. And, and even shit, can't even reach Kevin Durant's eyes, let alone the ball. But uh a lot of that foolishness is, is gone, man. And I and talking about all these mistakes that Alvin Gentry made, we still got to the playing tournament that everybody 
says they supposedly created so they could get Zion in the playoffs. And Magic Zion didn't even get there, uh, which I thought was a crazy storyline that everybody kept running with. They made the play-in tournament because they had so many teams that were right there uh, on the brink of getting that eight playoff spot, and they just cut the season short. What you supposed to do? Just give it to Memphis when all other teams were, like, right there and you were supposed to play? Uh, what, what was it, Q? It was, like, 20, 30-something games? Right. That we had left, so it's like, which, and and for the Pelicans, they had that was the easiest part of their schedule left. We played all these tough ass games, and then we get to the easiest part of our schedule. Can't win. In, in the season over, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I, I don't think they did that just to get Zion in. It would be nice to get him in. I'm sure they wouldn't have frowned upon it, but they did it because it was a fair and the right thing to do based on the situation, not just for the Pelicans but for other teams. But. With all that going on, man, the Pelicans still won 30 games last year. And we improved the team, improved the coach. And we can't do nothing but improve the record, too. Yep, well, that says a lot. And we're getting close to the end of the show. We have reached it. I'd like to thank all of the family, the Pelican family, for joining us in this installment of the Pelican Post Game Report. Another Friday, another Pelican Post Game Report is in the books. I'd like to thank you guys. Please hit the like button. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe and please feel free to share the Pelican Post Game Report in your social feed with your other Pelican family members. Well, I thank y'all for joining us. Y'all have a great weekend. I'm Big Q, DC. We out. Peace. Remington Tax Solutions is a company that, together with their partners, provide virtual tax consultation and preparation for individuals, small business, and nonprofit. They also provide notary and a host of other business-related services for their clients. Their associates provide a systematic yet very client-centered approach to their services. They offer the industry knowledge and insight to help solve your most complex tax issues. At Remington, their currency is time, the one resource that cannot be replenished. For that reason, they utilize the simplest and most effective forms of technology to make their services faster and more efficient. No need to wait in the office until your taxes are completed. Simply upload your documents via the Taxes to Go app or via their client portal and they'll take care of the rest. Remington Tax Solutions is a member of the National Association of Tax Professionals and participates in the IRS annual filing season program, which is a voluntary tax education program to stay abreast of the ongoing changes in tax legislation. Remington Tax Solutions has a strong connection to the communities in which they serve. It is a part of their mission to make a positive impact on the lives of their neighbors. So, if you're looking for a reliable, effective, and trustworthy tax preparation service, Remington Tax Solutions is the business for you. Contact Remington Tax Services at their number 682-307-4410 or simply go to RemingtonTax.com That's RemingtonTax.com Remington Tax Service, virtual tax preparation for the individual in small business. Get straight sports talk from the sports coma with Big Cube and the guys.
HomeBistro.com. Freshly prepared, home-delivered, restaurant-quality gourmet meals delivered straight to your home. Choose from over 50-plus gourmet meal options cooked by world-class chefs and delivered frozen, ready to eat within minutes and no commitment. Welcome to the one-shop gourmet food delivery specialized in affordable options to eat right and feel great. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Every ingredient is hand-picked to the highest standard. And why you should buy from HomeBistro.com? Restaurant quality made with natural ingredients delivered right to your door. Overnight shopping is available. Diabetic, paleo, heart health, and vegetarian options to eat during business since 1999. Courteous, knowledgeable, and professional support. Complete PCI-compliant SSL security ordering and great meals. Choose from some of my favorite dishes. The Mediterranean chicken with orange honey sauce, the charbroiled chicken romesco, or the grilled chicken breast with sweet and spicy vegetables. No matter what you choose, you can't lose with HomeBistro.com. Eat great, feel good, and save some money with HomeBistro.com. Hit the link in the description section below for more information. Are you a boxing fan? Check out Ring Kings Boxing only on the PRO Media Network. Live clean, eat cleaner. The only natural and patented produce wash. Eat Cleaner is a tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested line of food wash and wipes that is up to 99.9% more effective than water in cleaning wax. The only natural patented produce wash in a 14-day study. Applying Eat Cleaner all-natural fruit vegetable wash to a variety of of fruit and 100 pure guaranteed vegetables also prolong shelf life up to five times longer through a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. This can help save your family on average of over $500 per year, reducing waste and making it easy to get your half plate of fruit and vegetables each day. Eat Cleaner offers a wide variety of solutions for food safety and shelf life extension for consumers, retailers, food service, and operators. USDA bio-based, OMRI listed for use on organic produce, non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, made in the USA, lab-proven, and patented. So if you want cleaner fruits and veggies, try Eat Cleaner. Check the link in the description section below. Are you a Pelicans fan? Check out the Pelican Postgame Report on the...